Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit amongst us this morning and redeem us from the oppression of others so that we may obey your precepts. O Lord, we pray that you would keep the evil one far from us this morning so that we can have ears to listen to what you have to say and so that we can put it into practice by the power of your Spirit and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of Colossians, and we're in Colossians chapter 3, and we've been examining what the Apostle Paul has to command us as a result of what he's taught us about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The earlier chapters of Colossians have taught us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is God himself, and therefore he is the one to be respected above all else, uh, even above angels and other spiritual forces. Uh, He is the one that we're meant to put our trust in, and he is the one who has forgiven us of our sins. Uh, We are not forgiven by doing works ourselves. Instead, it is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that has given us forgiveness. Uh, He has cancelled the debt. We learnt in chapter 2, verse 13, he forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. He has taken away our sins and nailed them to the cross, we learnt. And therefore, we should not do works for salvation, but instead we should do them because of what Christ has done for us. And therefore, we are meant to set our hearts upon him. And so we've been looking at the commands that are given to us in chapter 3 of Colossians, and that we're meant to set our minds on Christ Jesus himself in heaven, which is the early verses there, verses 1, 2, and 3, and 4 was teaching us that principle. And then last week, we looked at uh, the first of the commands that come as a result of setting our minds upon Jesus, and that is that we're meant to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our earthly nature. Verse 5 then lists those sins that belong to our earthly nature, and they're primarily sexual sins we saw, Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And so we're meant to put those sins to death. And now the Apostle Paul wants to tell us what we should also do. He's told us to get rid of certain vices, and now he moves on to other vices in verses 8 and 9. Verse 8, it says, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. And there's another list given for us. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We're meant to put these sins off. We're meant to get rid of them. And instead of having those sins upon us, we're meant to put on other virtues that come from God. And we see that in verse 12. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, and then we get a list of virtues here, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, why should we put off these sins and put on these virtues? Why should we say goodbye to the vices and hello to the virtues? Well, it's because we're changed. If we are Christians, if the debt has been cancelled, if we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ and are followers of the Lord Jesus, then we have changed. And we see that in verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We see this idea that an old self has been taken off with its sinfulness and a new self has been put upon us. 
And the verbs that are used here are ones that are often used as common verbs for changing of clothes. We see in verse 8 where it says, but now you must rid yourselves, and the idea there is of taking off clothes as well. Uh, in verse 9 it says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off, and that verb that's uh, translated there as taken off can be used for changing clothes as well, taking off uh, clothes. And then in verse 12, uh, in verse 9 also it says that, that we're meant to put on, uh, so there's a verb there, do not uh, lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and then verse 10, and have put on the new self, another verb, and it's the idea of changing clothes again. And then down in verse 12, it's even more clear in your uh, NIV translations, if you've got one. Uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. So four different verbs used there. And they all have this idea, generally speaking, of taking off clothes and putting on clothes, of clothing yourself. And that is what has happened to us as Christians. What has happened? Well, we have changed. We have changed clothes, so to speak. Firstly, Christians have recognised that they were dressed in filthy rags because of sin. Once we sin, we are in filthy rags. We are dirty, rotten sinners, and our clothes reflect that. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, a verse that's very familiar to many of us, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. That is what we have recognised if we are Christians. We had filthy rags upon us. Our sin made us rotten, and we stank because of the clothes that were on us. And how do the Christians see that filth? How did we recognise it? Well, it was by looking in a mirror. By looking in a mirror. That's how we recognise if we're really dirty. We have a good look in a mirror. You may think that you're okay until you get home and you look in the mirror and go, oh dear, look at how dirty my pants are. I didn't realise. And it's looking in a mirror that we realise that we are filthy before God because of our sins. What is the mirror that God gives us? Well, it's his word. In James chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Anyone who listens to the word, that's God's word, but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, into God's word, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. God's word is a mirror. As we look at it, we understand how filthy we are because of our sins. And then, after looking at the mirror, we crave new clothes. We want to be dressed better. And why is that? Because we're appalled of the way that we look. We're ashamed. If you are in filthy rags and you go out to the shops... You're ashamed. You don't want people to see you. You may quickly go from the car if you're there in uh, your, uh, your uh, more casual clothes that you'd wear around the house. You quickly go in and get out, back out before other people can see you because you're ashamed of the way that you look. And that's the way that we feel when we look at God's word and we see our sin. We're ashamed of how we're dressed, of the filthiness of our sin. And we crave new clothes. And why is that? Primarily because we know as we look at his word that one day we will draw into the presence of a holy God, a spotless God. And we're ashamed to draw near to him in such filthiness, in such filthy rags. Adam and Eve, we saw in Genesis chapter 3, which was read before us, 
They sinned and then what happened? They were ashamed of the way they looked. And they were ashamed particularly when God came into the garden. When God started walking in the garden in in the cool of the day, they went and hid. They'd clothed themselves with fig leaves to try and cover up their shame. They tried to make better clothes for themselves because they were consciousness, they had a consciousness of their filthiness now. And they ran and hid from the holy God. Filthy rags may be okay if you live in a slum, but if you're to approach the king of kings in his palace, in his throne room itself, we're very conscious of how we're dressed. And we crave better clothes in order to draw into the presence of God. The parable in Matthew 22 illustrates this so well, the parable of a wedding. And there's a man without wedding garments at the end of it. And he's thrown out because he's not fit to be in the wedding, at the wedding reception. And we have to understand that as well. As Christians, that's what we have come to understand, is that because of our sin, we are not right before God and we are not ready to draw near to him on judgment day when he will return or when we die. We cannot draw near to him in our filthy rags and so we need new clothes. Now, where do we get the new clothes? What store do we go to in order to get our filthy rags off us and get new clothes? Well, the store of Adam, our first parent who sinned back in the garden so many years ago, he just continues to offer more vices. I mean, that's what we saw in verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And verse 9 speaks about lying to one another. That's what we can get from Adam, from the store of Adam. But from the store of Christ, we get the virtues, don't we, that are listed for us in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are clothes that we want. They're the ones that we need if we're going to draw near to a holy God. And it's God who gives them to us. It's the store of Christ. That's the shopping store we need to go to, to go to Christ's store, to get those, those garments that can be put upon us so that we can draw near to God. And it's Christ's own clothes, really, that we're getting. It's said to us in verse 10. Uh, I'll read from verse 9, though. It says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. The new self. What's the new self? The new clothes that we have? It's being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. It's a wonderful truth as Christians is that we have new clothes given to us and they are in the image of Christ himself, our creator. They are put upon us. They are from Christ's wardrobe himself. And that is the way God has always operated. If we are to draw near into his presence, he must be the one who gives us the clothes in order to draw near to him. To take off our filthy rags and to put on new clothes requires God to give us the divine wardrobe, Christ himself as our skin that comes upon us. We saw that back in the garden that um, God gave animal skins to Adam and Eve so that, uh, to replace the fig leaves that they had. It's Christ Jesus that God gives us now. We read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with what? With Christ. We have clothed ourselves with Christ, which means all Christians, we're all dressed the same. We've all got Christ on us. And that's what we have a hint of in verse 11. Verse 11 
Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. We are all Christians, Christians. Christ is over us, which means that racism for the Christian is completely sinful. There is no barbarian, Scythian. There's no Greek or Jew. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And so the racism that we see in the world is despicable for the Christian because we're all on the same ground. We're all wearing the same clothes for the Christian. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all dressed the same. We're, there's no difference in our standing before God. Now, of course, there are differences between us, which makes us all the more interesting and displays God's manifold wisdom, his goodness in creating the world, not as a series of robots that we all look the same, but in Christ Jesus, we are the same. We have the same wardrobe on, even though we have our own differences. Now, how do we pay for these new clothes? We see our filthy rags. We recognise we need Christ. How do we pay for these new clothes? Well, Adam, the store of Adam, if you want more vices, if you want clothes from Adam, he says, don't worry, dress before God however you like, whatever sins you like, indulge in them, and just pay later. You pay in hell for all eternity. But don't think about that. It's like when you go to the shops with a credit card. Just spend, spend, spend. Don't think about Judgment Day when the credit card bill arrives in the mail. Just go nuts. Spend, spend, spend. And that's how the world operates. They think, oh, yes, here's some new clothes. This will make me happy. I'll take on this sin and that sin and this sin. I won't worry about Judgment Day when I will then start to spend an eternity paying for those clothes that I've worn in this world. Whereas Jesus, he's paid it all. Those clothes that he gives us, he has paid it all. At the cross, his work at the cross was of infinite value to pay for all the virtues that we need in order to approach a holy God. His bank account is completely full. He can pay for every virtue, for the beautiful clothes that we desperately need. Jesus has paid it all. There is nothing for us to pay if we come to him and ask for those new clothes. And how do we ask? How do we get those new clothes? Well, the Holy Spirit delivers them by repentance and faith. God's helper, the Holy Spirit, delivers them by repentance of faith. The Holy Spirit comes, he takes off our old wardrobe of filthy rags, and he gives us new clothes. We're not left naked before God. The filthy rags are taken away and that's it. No, he takes off the filthy clothes and he gives us a new wardrobe. He gives us Christ's righteousness put to our account. And so we are holy before a holy God because of our repentance and faith by which the Holy Spirit has delivered our clothes to us. And then we're fit to visit the King of Kings and go to heaven. You're fit to die today. You're fit if Jesus comes back today. You're fit to go before God because you have repented of your sins, you've said sorry to God, and you've trusted that Jesus Christ has paid it all. He's paid for your filthy rags to be removed, and he's also given you new clothes. And so that's what all of us need to do in this room if we haven't before. All of us need to come as a child to a father, to our heavenly father, and say, look, Dad, I've ruined the clothes you gave me. This life that you gave me, I went out and I rebelled against you. And my life 
has given me filthy rags. My sin, even my righteous acts, even the good that I do, are as filthy rags before you. I've ruined the clothes you've given me. Now I come and I trust you to supply me with a new wardrobe through my elder brother, Jesus Christ. And I won't dare offer to pay anything because I know I've got nothing to offer. All I've got is these filthy rags. I've got nothing to offer. It has to be that Jesus pays it all. If you do that, if you come before him now and trust that Jesus Christ gives you those new clothes, then you are clothed by the power of the Holy Spirit and you are fit for a king. Have you repented and believed in Christ? Or are you still in your filthy, stinking, sinful rags, thinking, I'm okay, these look good. I don't have a problem with them. Why would God have a problem with them? Well, you need to look in the mirror and see that there is a problem with your filthy, stinking rags and come before God. You may think hiding under a fig leaf is a good way to go, but it's not fashionable for God. He requires a new wardrobe altogether that he will give you if you will simply come to him in faith. May it never be said of anyone in this room what we read in Matthew 22 in that parable of the wedding banquet. It says, But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I hope that never happens to anyone in this room or the rooms, anyone that is watching, anyone that can hear my voice even now, that you will not be one day speechless before God on Judgment Day as to why you are not dressed in the clothes that he offered you if you would only come and trust in him and instead are thrown out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth for all of eternity. But if we are Christians, we have come to Jesus and we have trusted in him, what are we supposed to do? Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is primarily speaking about here in this letter because he's speaking to Christians here. And he's telling us that we have taken off an old self and put on a new self. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're meant to put off the old clothes, keep on putting off those old clothes and putting on the new clothes. That's what we're instructed to do in verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we're meant to, in verse 8, but now you must rid yourselves, put off all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. And we're meant to put on the new clothes. According to verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We should want to be as fashionable as we can before our God. He is the one who has given so much so that we could have a fresh wardrobe. He's given an enormous amount. What did Jesus give so that we could have a fresh wardrobe? He gave his own life. What did the father give? He gave his only begotten son so that we could have a fresh wardrobe. It's a slap in the face not to wear the wardrobe that he has given, the virtues that he's given, and instead put back on the old self with all its sins and vices. So that is what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're meant to use the wardrobe that God has given us and keep putting off, if they sneak back on, those vices that we love so much. And what is indispensable for physically dressing ourselves properly? Well, it's a mirror, as I said before. A mirror is very helpful for us to recognise if our garments are 
wrong and what, where, the way we should be wearing our new garments. As we look in the mirror, we recognise old, unfashionable garments are still on. Others may know that our tie is awful, but often they won't say anything. And if they do say something, we say, oh, it's okay, I think it looks all right, and you hold it out a bit, and you think, I think it looks good, this tie. It's only by honestly looking in the mirror that we realise how wrong it is. Maybe it's not tied rightly. Maybe it's just one that needs to be thrown out altogether. It's by looking in the mirror that we recognise that. And it's the same with these vices. We need a mirror. And what is the mirror we use? It's God's word. Anger is like an awful tie that looks gross, it's stained, and it's from a bygone era. Think of a tie from the 70s. It's from a bygone era that you're not a part of anymore. That's what anger is like. We can feel comfortable with the anger ourselves, but others will often see how disgusting anger makes us look. And then we look into the Bible and we see the dirtiness of anger. And we say, yes, it has to come off. As we look at the word, we're convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us through his word. And we recognize that this is not fit to be worn by someone who claims the name of Christ. And so I put it off. Maybe it's another vice. There's a whole list there for you. Anger's the first one on the list in verse 8. There's rage, there's malice, there's slander, which is speaking badly of others, filthy language. Verse 9 has lying to others. Which one's your piece of fashion from your old wardrobe that you need to recognise is not fit for you any longer and you need to take it off just as you take off an old daggy tie that everyone knows looks bad on you but you suddenly realise yourself it looks bad on you. And it's as we look into the mirror also that we recognise how to wear our new clothing rightly. When we've got new clothes on, it's nice to have them on, but we can wear them wrongly as well. Our shirt can be untucked at the back. You can miss a belt loop. I've got a, I had a new pair of pants this week and I didn't realise that there were actually two belt loops at the very back. And it was only by looking in the mirror that I suddenly realised, oh, I've missed one. I just thought there's one like most of my other pants. And I, I missed this loop. And how long I've been walking around like that with this, uh, this belt just going through one loop and other people might have noticed who were walking behind me. I didn't notice until I spotted it in the mirror. We can wear new clothes wrongly. A cuff can be rolled up on your on your trousers, and you won't know until you look in the mirror. You don't look down as much, but when you look in the mirror, you see that one of your cuffs is up and the other one is down, and you see that you need to unroll it. And that's what it's like as we try to wear Christ's clothes rightly. We need to look in the mirror. It's the same with these virtues. Just as we need to look at our new clothes that we wear physically, we need to look at these virtues and see, am I wearing them rightly? Maybe you're very good at showing love to clients at work. But as soon as you walk through the door of your home to those that you're meant to truly love, you certainly don't love people as much as you do at work. You treat people with much more gentleness and kindness in the workplace than you do within your own household. And it's as you look at the word, as you look at the mirror of God, you realise, oh, I'm not wearing love rightly. That garment of love that I'm meant to wear, I'm not wearing it rightly. I'm not wearing it as Christ wears it. I don't wear love like he does. Because the way, how does he show love? He loves even his enemies. That's how you wear his garment of love. 
You love even your enemies, not just your family, not just clients at work, not just your friends and your neighbours, but even your enemies. And you realise, I've got to do something about that shirt or that hat of love or the belt of love. I've got to wear it properly. Jesus wears the belt of love through all the loops, not just some of the loops. And I have to do so as well. But you may say, oh, it's so hard to take off the old clothes. Those old clothes, they still spark sinful joy for me. They still spark joy. And so it's hard to take them off and to put on the new clothes. So what am I to do? Well, we're to invest time in being a fashionable Christian. Being a fashionable Christian takes time. Don't we spend time checking our fashion in the mirror each day? I assume most of you do, that you actually have a look in a mirror at some point in the day and make sure that you look right before you go out into the big world. Won't we spend time daily looking into God's mirror, checking our spiritual appearance before others, checking that these vices are off and checking that the virtues are on? Don't we spend extra time shopping for fashionable clothes? going to the shops and making sure that we're getting in the latest fashion so that people don't look at us and go, oh, wow, what's that person wearing? Don't we do that? So won't we do deep dives into God's mirror, studying it carefully and making sure that we're adding those virtues that we're supposed to have? We can do a daily check on our fashion, but we should also be doing deep dives and checking our fashion and making sure that we're culling things from our wardrobe and adding new items into our wardrobe that should have been there all along. We need to invest time. It's hard work being a fashionable Christian in the eyes of God. But we need to invest time in it just as we invest time into our physical fashion. Also, another way that you can do it, number two, get a friend to help you out. Sometimes it's just hard knowing what is fashionable, even with a mirror. This is where having a wife, for me, is wonderful. Jill is very good at helping increase my wardrobe, cull my wardrobe, and making sure that I'm wearing my wardrobe rightly. It is wonderful to have her, even a mirror, It's with a mirror, it's nice to have a friend. And the sins that are listed here in verse 8, these vices here, they're sins that are often obvious to others. The sins that we dealt with last week in verse 5 concern sexual sin. And some of those are obvious to others, but a lot of them can be very easily hidden. And it's only really God who knows what goes on in your mind. The lust and the evil desires and the greed which is within very hard to get a friend to confront you about those. But when it comes to the vices that are listed in verse 8 and verse 9 about lying, they're ones that others can see often better than you can, even on yourself, that wardrobe that you have on. And that's where it's good to ask a brother or sister in Christ to look at the mirror of God's word with you and ask them to point out your bad fashion. Now, it's hard to do that sometimes, well, a lot of the time, getting someone to confront you, particularly if you like that daggy old T-shirt and you don't want to let it go. And it's the same with some sins, daggy old sins that you love very much. It's hard when someone speaks to you honestly about it. But won't you do that because you want to be fashionable for the God who gave you that wonderful wardrobe in Jesus Christ? 
Can't you do that even this afternoon? Sit down with a trusted brother or sister, whether it be a spouse, another family member, even someone at church. You say to someone this morning, I'd really like you to give me some advice about whether you see any of these vices in me. Ask a friend to confront you this afternoon so that you can start putting off what you shouldn't be wearing anymore and putting on, say, am I lacking any of the things in verse 12? Do I lack compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? Or love, which is described in verse 14, and forgiveness? Do you see me lacking these things? Should I be putting them on and wearing them rightly? And children, no children, oh, there's two in the room uh, with us today, and then there's others who I can see in the back hall. Children, this is very helpful for you as well. Get a friend, or particularly your parents, who help you dress most of the time. Who helps choose your clothes for you? Who goes to the shops and often buys your clothes without you even knowing and brings them home for you and says, this is what's going on? It's often your mum or another parent who helps you dress properly. And in the morning when you come down after getting dressed, they say, what have you got on? That's way too small for you these days. You've got to upgrade. You've got to go to the bigger one. Oh, I like this one so much. It's not that tight. No, this is where... Your parents are there and they're indispensable. And it's the same with vices and virtues, sins and acts of righteousness. You're meant to ask your parents, say, do you see some sins in me that I need confronting, that I need to put off? If I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I hope that you children in this church all are, that you've come to God in repentance and faith, and now you're trying to put off those sins that you loved and put on the acts of righteousness, the virtues, Ask your parents to help you. Just as they help you get dressed physically, they can help you get dressed spiritually. Now, that's if you've got a friend to help you. What are other ways that you can get someone to help you out as you try to be a fashionable Christian? Well, sermons are a good way as well. You're all here for fashion advice today. You may not have thought that when you came in, and when you look at me, you may not appreciate much of my physical fashion that's going on up the frontier. But... You are all here for fashion advice today. And that's what happens every Sunday. We come together and look at the mirror with one another. We look at this mirror together and we say, what are we not doing and what should we be doing? And I'm up here giving you some fashion advice. You can take it and look at the mirror too. You should be looking at the mirror as we go and seeing that it's not just Joel's fashion advice, but it's God's fashion advice that's being given up here. But I'm here to help you to dress rightly, to take off the old and put on the new. And, of course, Christian books are a great way of accessing a, a brother or sister in Christ. They can encourage you of what you should be doing, their fashion advice all through them as they look at God's word. That's why Christian books should, should be seeing lots of Bible references throughout them. They shouldn't be just their own ideas. No, they should be looking at the mirror with you. As you're reading the book, you're seeing that they're studying the mirror and helping you to dress rightly. And, of course, the greatest friend of all is the one that you should be asking for help as you look at the mirror. Who's the greatest friend that we have? Sent by Jesus Christ himself as we look at the mirror. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Every time you come to the mirror, you should be asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Help me understand how I'm dressed badly this morning and how I should be dressing rightly in the clothes that Christ has given me. So it's hard to get dressed properly, to be fashionable for, before God. So we need to invest time. We need to get a friend. Thirdly, if it's all too overwhelming, you look at this list here and, uh, of vices, and then you look at the virtues, and you go, oh, that all sounds very hard. 
then just focus on one. What's the one you should focus on? Verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is like the belt that makes sure all the other virtues are there and functioning properly, that all those other clothes are nice and tight as they should be. It's good to have a shirt on, good to have pants on, but a belt's very handy for keeping the shirt in and for keeping the pants up. Love is the belt that we need. It binds them all together, keeps everything else secure. If you've got love, you're working on love, then what happens? Well, the anger starts to fade. The rage starts to fade. The malice goes. The slander and the filthy language go. The forgiveness, the, the, lie, sorry, the lying goes. And then the virtues come out. If you're seeking to love people, won't you be compassionate? Won't you be kind? Won't you be humble? Won't you be gentle? Won't you be patient? Won't you be forgiving of others? So if you're going to work on one item of clothing, work on the belt of love. Just try to love people. Just try to love your neighbour as you love yourself. You know how to love yourself. Just try to do that for others. And then fourthly, what's another tip if it's hard to dress fashionably before God? We've seen that we need to invest time. We need friends to help us. We can focus on just one love. Uh, And then fourthly, rejoice in the new clothes you see on yourself and on others. When you see others looking good and when you see yourself looking good, Let those clothes spark joy in you. Some people love fashion. I'm not one of those, uh, but some people do. They watch fashion trends. They look at magazines. They watch runway shows. Is it runways? Uh, The the shows where the, the models are strutting out the latest fashions. They love designers. They praise designers. They look for the, the logos, which you'll probably never see on my clothing. They look for those brands. They love shopping, retail therapy it's even called, and they love to groom. Some people can spend hours uh, grooming themselves. They love fashion. Why? Because they find joy in it. It gives them pleasure to be fashionable. And that's the way it should be for all of us as Christians. We should delight in God's fashion. We should delight in the clothes that he has given us. We should delight in Jesus as the great fashion designer, the greatest fashion designer ever known to man. We see a hint of that in Isaiah 61 verse 10. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. Why? My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. He's happy. He's looking good. Like when he goes to a wedding and he knows he's looking good and the bride goes to a wedding and she knows she's looking good. That's how Isaiah is there. He's excited by his clothes that God has given him. And that's the way we should be as well. And then it just flows naturally. If you rejoice in love, if you rejoice in compassion and kindness and gentleness, and you rejoice in what Jesus has done for you in giving you such virtues, then of course it's easy to put off the old stuff and bring on the new. Rejoice in what God has done for you and rejoice in his wisdom of knowing exactly what is the right clothing for us to wear. Let's come to Christ now. Let's come before him in prayer. We praise you, Lord Jesus, now as the only one who truly has righteous garments. And we thank you 
for sharing them with us. We ask that you would forgive us for not putting off our filthy rags as we should and for not wearing your garments as rightly as we should. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to look into your mirror more and more and dress rightly before you. Lord, we pray that you would continue to send your Holy Spirit to us, to look into the mirror of your word with us and to give us the counsel that we need, to point out our sins to us and to show us the virtues that we should be wearing. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to rejoice in your clothes and to rejoice in you most of all, the greatest fashion designer ever known to man. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.